Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Don Storiano. What a uh, wonderful introduction. You may be seated. Um, I just, uh, I think so much of him and Pastor Bren and, and their children and this church. And uh, when he moved to Texas, I was sad. Then I got mad. And I'm glad he's back in the region, aren't you? Yeah. He, he truly is a voice of heaven. He is a revivalist himself. And uh, he's just someone that brings alignment and correction. You know, is, this, is that what you're talking about? That'll go, go a little bit in and out. Purpose. Okay, here we go. It, it's important. You know, we live... In, in a wonderful country where there's churches everywhere you look, and in, in the blessing sometimes can uh, come entitlement, a spirit of entitlement, spirit of convenience, um, drive through Christianity. Amen. But that doesn't change the world. Is being a disciple. And the characteristics of a disciple, number one, is love. This unconditional, unexplained, blowing the world away with, how can you still love someone after that kind of love? It's the willingness to go the extra mile to serve, as, as was just shared with. It's the willingness to submit and to suffer. And it is the ability to walk in miraculous power. There is no such thing as being an authentic disciple without power is not the gospel of the kingdom. Is that still going? Maybe, maybe it's, is this, uh, I just should stand here? Okay, because, you know, be, I like to preach with my hands and I like to walk around, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retrain myself tonight and just stand there. Does that, you get a better signal right here? Okay, so I'll, I'll just stay up here because I don't want that. That's annoying. I don't know about you, but that's the spirit of annoyance and it's already getting on my nerves. But we have to pay the price. And I just want to encourage you that I love when signs and wonders and miracles happen. We cannot keep up with all of the miraculous healings we're seeing at Kingdom Life. They're just they're blowing us away. Uh, we, have, uh, we have a minister. Her name is Amber, and she is a street. She's our missionary to the city of Bradenton. Some of you know her. All right, yeah. She's a daughter of our house, and, uh, and uh, she's been with us for a long, long time. I mean, she's seen two people through her declaring life raised from the dead from heroin overdose. Yeah. So when you sang the song, bodies are still being raised. They go, yeah, we got that going on. And you know, that's the normal Christian life. You know, when Paul talks about getting away from the elementary things, and he lists them, the laying on of hands for the sick, and the raising of the dead is listed in the elementary things. Think about that. So we should be messing up funerals, or at least trying. I'm also the chaplain for the Braden Police Department now going on 10 years. And I love that part of uh, my assignment. I'm with them often. I'm, I lay, I pray over the new inductees in, in the city hall chambers. 
while government television is rolling live, and I pray in the name of Jesus, and I declare Isaiah 54, 17. Oh, yeah, it's really good. We, we've seen officers healed miraculously. One quick story. I just want to give you a couple of testimonies on, on miracles and, and power that's going on through our ministry. Is that okay? I'm, okay, could you? It doesn't matter. I'm going to do it anyway. But um, we, uh, we had a couple of uh, high-ranking officers got healed because we left them a voicemail prayer. So I've, I've gotten into the habit that when someone says, hey, call so-and-so, they need prayer, if I get their voicemail, I don't say, hey, I'll be praying for you. I just pray. And, and we've seen them get healed. And then from that, I received a call. This is a few years ago about a young officer's wife. At the time, she was in her mid-20s, two little kids, an, uh, an infant and a toddler. She was on the phone with her mother um, in New Jersey. Her mother heard a kerplunk. And uh, then the baby picked up the phone. She immediately called the son, who's a police officer. He called EMS. Short of it is, her heart had just shut down. And uh, she went on life support. Um, she flatlined, I think, for 30, oh, close to 35 minutes. Uh, they were able to keep her alive artificially in the ambulance. And I got a call from the deputy chief and said, would you go down and pray for the doctors are giving her about a day to live. I wish I'd have brought the pictures because you have to see her just being kept alive with the tubes and all of these things. And I just declared life. The next day, she totally came out. That's eight years ago. Eight Christmases, eight birthdays for her kids. Yeah. Yeah. So it's really, it's really cool to get introduced to new officers and new employees by the veterans. And this is what they say. This is, this is Pastor Don. They call me Pastor. They actually gave me a gold shield that says Pastor, not Chaplain. Isn't that cool? And um, they, they said, uh, he, they introduced me. This is Pastor Don. He'll pray for you. And we see a lot of miracles here. So if you need him in the city of Bradenton Police. Isn't that good? So we give, we give God the glory. Amen. So how many of you have prayed? for the sick or seen miracles outside the four walls. How many of you have seen it? Just, go, just continue, continue to go for it. I've got a bunch uh, more that I could share with you. One more. My neighbor happened to run into a neighbor about a year ago at our mailbox. How many of you live in a neighborhood now where they don't have the, the mailboxes on the front lawn? You ever, it's like kind of like an apartment. So that we moved into a new neighborhood, and they have the, the mailboxes all at a station, which at first I was a little annoyed and then I got on the scale and said, ah, I could use the walk to the mailbox. But then I started meeting my neighbors, and I met this gentleman that was living a very terrible lifestyle. Uh, you can fill in the blanks. Started coming to our church, got saved, left this lifestyle, and was healed of two strains of HIV. Yeah, not good. Just from wandering into a prayer meeting. So can we give the Lord one more shout for that good news and hand clap? So good. It's truly an honor to be here, and uh, I really did pray really what I was supposed to preach, but instead I just watched a couple of videos of T.D. Jakes. I'm just going to tell you what he said. No. <laughs> Someone said amen. That's boosting my confidence. Thank you so much for that endorsement. But how many of you are going through stuff? Look. Yeah, I know. That's like a prophetic word shooting over the bow. You know, we, we, we live uh, in a fallen world, and we pray for his kingdom to come on earth that is, is, is in heaven as we live that, to have that lifestyle of no tears, no sorrow, no pain, and all of those things. Quote from Bill Johnson, he says, I don't know how much heaven on earth we can have 
while we're here. I just know it's more than I have right now. So whatever experience or encounter you have had, live with a holy dissatisfaction for more. Because as soon as you get it, there's more. Somebody say, there's more. But Paul uses terms like fight, run with endurance, and so on. So this is a long title for a message. It's the fight, the race, the faith, and the finish. Everybody say it with a loud voice. Help me preach a little bit tonight. Say, the fight, the race, the faith, and the finish. One more time. The fight, the race, the faith, the finish. I've got three scriptures from the same man with one heart and Anything, anything we have enough? Do we have a, a, a wired mic? The, the, okay, hold it up here. Okay, sound guy? God bless you. We, we need you. All right. So, Lord, clear sound. Amen? So, we're, we're going to pick up in 2 Timothy, and before we put it up on the screen, this is the end of Paul's life. The end is drawing near. And it's, it's an amazing life to study. I love reading the writings of Paul. One of the things that I always try to do is use the childlike imagination that God has given me and, and experience and try to get into what those nuances must have been like. What was, what was it like at the end now after he went through so much? His body had to be beaten and all of those things. As we know, he went through all of this persecution physically. What was it like for him to walk up to that chopping block? Was he twisted? Was he turned? Was, his, was he limping? And did he go to that with going, okay, I finished the race, I fought the fight, and now it's time to go to glory. You know, his life over 2,000 years later still is touching the earth. So I want to encourage you to make the Bible come alive when you're reading it. Look into it and pause and just use that imagination. What was it like in those moments? What was it like for the woman at the well and all of those things? And, and engage with the Holy Spirit and allow Him to give you spirit eyes to see, perhaps to rewind the clock and actually experience those moments in your spirit. Amen? So Paul's end is drawing near. And in Tim, 2 Timothy, rather, verse 4, verse 6 and 7 for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Verse 7, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I kept the faith. Do you say it again with me one more time? The fight, the race, the faith, the finish. Somebody turn and say, I'm going to finish strong. Amen. You know, I think about people that dedicated their life to the presence of God, and I know Pastor Brian has been doing a series on standing alone with God, and that, that's so important. And the main thing has to always remain the main thing. I love victory, a church of His presence, because it all comes down to that being the foundation of our life. And when we talk about the presence of God, when we talk about the manifestation or we want to pray, how many of you have prayed for revival to come, revival to stay, revival to increase? We have to shift our minds and realize that 
the revival, praying for revival, let me say it this way. Praying for revival is not praying for something to happen. That, that's where we've missed it and prostituted, and that's why revivals have fizzled out when they're never supposed to. Because the Bible says we're supposed to go from glory to glory. Amen? You want to study a 22-year-old revival that keeps increasing, study the life of Bill Johnson and Bethel Church in Redding, California, and you will see what true revival looks like and how it infiltrates the leaven of the kingdom in every area of society. But let me just swing back around. Praying for revival is praying for someone to come in greater measure and manifestation. In the life of the church, but first and foremost, in the life of the individual. You are a move. I love that. I had a t-shirt at a conference. No kidding. I went to the conference and came home with a t-shirt. And the t-shirt says, I'm a revival. You're a carrier of another world. Let me just press into this thought a little bit more. When Solomon built the temple for the presence to have a place to reside, if you were to use the calculation of U.S. dollars today, it's somewhere between 75 and 100 billion U.S. dollars for them to reconstruct the temple that Solomon built. Between 75 and 100 billion dollars. But that was not a good enough place for God. He wanted to be moving on up. He wanted a better place to live. And as hard as it sometimes is to get our minds around that, he chose you and I. Because you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that makes you the most holy place. That makes you the ark of the new covenant. So let me move on or we'll be here till the kingdom fully comes. I'm glad there's a, a, a clock back there. So Paul talks about that the end has come near. I've kept the faith. I've run the race. And then he goes into another scripture that I want to lead into, and that's 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 and 25. And what he's doing here is he's addressing and correcting what a true apostle is supposed to look like. And the mark of an authentic apostle is walking in power and enduring great suffering. I, I, over the 13 years since we pioneered the church, I've had people from time to time, God bless them, I love them, but they hand you a card and, and, and the title of, of their apostle this and apostle that and prophet this and all of these things, and it, it's just, it's a little off. So Paul had to address, what does this really look like? An apostle is someone that will walk in power, miracle working power, and that's the mark of an apostle as well as suffering. So he's talking about other apostles that are false apostles. And in verse 23, he says, and I'm reading out of the Passion. How many of you got a hold of the Passion translation? Yay, Brian Simmons. Thank God. <laughs> he just came out with Isaiah. It's amazing. So you need to get your Passion Bible upgrade. So here's Paul. He says, are they servants of the anointed one? I'm beside myself when I speak this way. But I'm much more of a servant than they. I've worked much harder for God. I've taken more beatings. Here's a great resume for the next pastor if you have to be on the hiring committee. I have worked much harder for God. I've taken more beatings. I've been dragged to more prisons than they. I've been flogged excessively multiple times, even to the point of death. 
You ask somebody to move from one thing to another in a church and correct them or give them direction, and all of a sudden they say, yeah, God told me to leave. There really is a need for correction for maturity in the body of Christ. We have to demolish the spirit of sheep shifting. Amen? Help me out. You can disagree with me. You've been wrong before. But I'm telling you, there needs to be a realignment of maturity in the body of Christ. Verse 24, five times. Somebody do the math. Five times I received 39 lashes from the Jewish leaders. How many people want to sign up to be an apostle right now? Three times I experienced beaten with rods. I don't know about you, but I'm reading this and I'm pretty encouraged because I see the life of a man that actually walked the earth. This is a true story. This is someone that paid the price. And because he walked in signs and wonders and miracles, he had to pay the price. Because he would not move back about talking and preaching the name of Jesus, these things happened to him. Three times I was shipwrecked, and for an entire night I was adrift in open sea. And he did all of that for the sake of the gospel. Somebody turn to your neighbor and say, for the sake of the gospel. Third scripture. Three scriptures, one man with one heart. First Thessalonians, and after all of that, let's put it in context. After all of that, this is what he says. First Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. He didn't say for everything, but he said in everything. How many of you ever seen the movie The Hiding Place about Corey Ten Boone and her family? They were hiding Jews, and she watched her whole family die, and she said, there is no pit so deep that his love is not deeper still. And this isn't beating people over the head. I'm so thankful for what we have here in America. But I'm saying we just have to become ferocious warriors in the kingdom of God. And we have to fight the fight. We have to run the race. And if we're going through hell, let's keep going. Amen? Let's not throw in the towel. And I really felt, this is something I preached at our church not too long ago, and as I prayed, I didn't just pull out something and, and just say, let me just regurgitate that. I, I, I just retooled it for what I felt I was supposed to take tonight. But if you're not going through something now, you will go through something later because that's life. Jesus said, I promise you that you'll go through trials and tribulations. That's not negative confession. That is actually faith saying it's going to come, but I'm going to keep going. I'm not asking for it. I'm not declaring and praying it in. But when I face adversity, when hell is licking at my heels, I know I have superior fire. Somebody yell out, I have superior fire. So pray without ceasing and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Rejoice always. When are you supposed to rejoice? Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. So the fight, the race, the faith, and the finish, three, maybe four points, but we're going to fight. If you're taking notes, fight from a place of presence, number one. Number two, fight from a place of position. Number three, and fight from a place of prophecy. Number one, place of presence. Number two, place of position. Number three, a place of prophecy. I've come to the conclusion a long time ago in regards to the presence of the Lord. 
I do not enter into his presence because I'm always already there. I do enter into the awareness that he's in the room. When we have the renewing of the mind and realize that he'll never leave us or forsake us, Christ in us is the hope of glory, where can I run from his presence? We'll look at Psalm 139 shortly. I then shift my mind in saying he's already there. That makes the worship leader's job a whole lot easier when a church gets that because they're not having to convince you to have to do poodle praise so you can get a treat of his presence because you were bad the day before. You know what poodle praise is? You ever say, please, oh, please come, please. I don't pray for him to come because he's already here. And when we pray for what we already have, we live a frustrated life because we don't realize it's already in our hands. Amen? So we fight from a place of presence that's already there. That's why Paul said, pray without ceasing. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Psalm 139, verse 7 through 10 in the New King James, where can I go from your spirit, David writes, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed, watch this, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. How many of you have made your own bed in hell? Everybody raise your hand. Because how many of you have done some things in your life that we can't blame the devil for? <clears throat> we know it's not God punishing us because he's good and that's not his nature. But because of our decision-making process, we find ourselves, we made our bed in hell. Isn't it wonderful that when we dig our own ditch and go in it, he still will pull us out? That is the goodness of God. So even when I make my bed in hell, so when I'm going through it, even if it's something that's attacking me, if it's spiritual warfare, if it's people attacking my life, or it's my own stupidity, he's there. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. In the book of Genesis, in the beginning, the Bible says that the earth was void and in darkness. <clears throat> that's literally translated in chaos. And the Holy Spirit was over it. That word is hovering. He was hovering over darkness. And he was the executive arm of the triune God. And when God said, let there be light, there was light in darkness. That light never stopped perpetuating forward because the advancement of his kingdom, there shall be no end. The zeal of the Lord will accomplish this. So that's our own darkness. Amen? Doesn't give us a license to sin. It just makes us realize how wonderful he is. You see... It's not about not sinning. It's about walking in his goodness. And when we realize how much he loves us, it's not about trying not to do stuff. It's about getting to do the good stuff. So if I take the wings of the morning, verse 9, and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold on to me. I did a series, actually... I think within the same weeks, Pastor Brian was talking about the presence, and it was under the title, Audience of One. And I talked about <clears throat> the millions of prayers, even right now, just kind of get into my imagination with me. Right now, <clears throat> on planet Earth, there's millions of prayers rising up to heaven to the Lord. How many would agree with that? You'd say there's easily millions of prayers right now. And when you pray, 
when you sing, when we worship, he's able to hear each one as if it's the only one being spoken on the earth. So when we run the race, when we fight the good fight, when we finish this course, when we fight this fight, we fight from a position of presence knowing in the midst of that moment, I don't have to have the goosebumps, I don't have to feel it, I don't have to have feathers manifest, and I've seen that a lot in my life. I'm a motorcycle enthusiast. I've been on two wheels since I was 12. I have a Harley Davidson road glide. Somebody shout hallelujah. Can you feel it? And when I put on my helmet, I go Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Underneath his wings and his feathers. I've actually had feathers manifest as I'm riding to remind me that his presence is even there on the back road of Highway 70 going to Wachula to find some greasy spoon listening to some Bethel music that just came out. It's awesome. You can't get away from his presence. My motorcycle's not fast enough to outrun his presence. Amen? So in the midst of the millions of prayers that are rising up to heaven, the next time you pray, use that childlike imagination and know that you're alone with your father. And he only has an ear for you. That will change the way you pray. Somebody say amen. Derek Prince said, if you only have 10 minutes to pray, be sure you make eight of those worship. I have found when I spend more time in worship and then I declare, it just is effortlessly released. Amen? Jesus said the things that I do, you will do, and even greater. I'm not going to go off on a rabbit trail and and teach on what that means, and I'm sure Pastor Brian has done an amazing job on that. And I believe that lists all of the signs, wonders, and miracles, but also the life that he lived and had the ability, because he did it as a man relying on the Holy Spirit, to walk in righteousness in a sinless life. So we have the same opportunity to walk under the same way that Jesus walked under the Holy Spirit. You would agree with that. That's good theology, right? What does Bill Johnson say? What's perfect? Jesus is perfect theology. I like to say it this way, Kingdom 101, read the red, do what he said. The church just did that. We totally take over the world. But we run and fight from a place and a position of presence, and from that, power just leaks off of us. So it's not only the things that Jesus did that I'm after, I'm after how effortlessly he did them. I'm after how effortlessly Peter was able to do them when his shadow is healing people. I'm after how Paul's <coughs> handkerchiefs and aprons were able to be taken to people and demons flew out of them. Amen? And that comes from a place of presence. A lifestyle of hallowed be thy name effortlessly releases a kingdom life. So if your prayer time (coughs) is a minute of worship and then begging and crying, you're not going to walk in the blessings of heaven. Amen? Bear with me. The mic is going in and out. Now my voice is going in and out. (coughs) Somebody stretch out a hand and say, heal that voice. (coughs) Amen. If you have your Bibles, you don't have to put it up there, but actually, let me just paraphrase this story for the sake of time. 
In Matthew chapter 14, at the end of the chapter, Jesus has just fed thousands of people with a few loaves and fish. <clears throat> Around verse 21, he sends everyone away. And then he sends the disciples ahead in the boat. How many people know the story? Your Bible probably has that paragraph titled, Jesus Walks on Water. Some people are familiar with what I'm talking about. <clears throat> but the Bible says that he goes to the mountain to a secret place to pray. Sort of solitary place to pray. That word pray there is a Greek word, prosukamahi, that actually is translated worship, intimacy, communion. Now, we don't know what that looks like. No one was there to record it, so we can only imagine. I wonder if Jesus sang the Psalms when he was alone with the Father. But the Bible says that after that, he came out on the fourth watch and walked on a raging sea. Somebody say a raging sea. Somebody say the fourth watch. Now, Jesus was a good shepherd. He fed all these people. They came from a far way because the synagogues weren't big enough to hold the crowds now. So probably let everybody go home while it was still light. Send the disciples ahead in the boat. So let's just use our time frame. Six, seven o'clock, five o'clock, sends everybody home, gets up on this mountain to begin to pray, and then prays into the night to the fourth watch, <clears throat> which is somewhere between three and four in the morning, having time of intimacy and worship. But I want to propose to you that it wasn't so much Jesus walking on water as much as it was of him walking under the atmosphere of the presence of another world. Because of all of the time that he kneeled in the other world, he was able to defy the gravity of this one. A lifestyle of hallowed be thy name will allow you and empower you to effortlessly, effortlessly release a kingdom life. This is a big deal. Daniel, hallowed be thy name, I'll say it this way, three times a day, was lowered into the lion's den. I don't believe that the lions wouldn't eat him. I believe the lions couldn't eat him because of all of his time kneeling in the other world, he was able to rewind the clock and walk in the dominion of the first Adam and have rule over the lions. One more illustration. Paul and Silas beaten naked, bloody inner cell. Raise your hand if you know the story. Stroke of midnight, what are they doing? They start to sing. Imagine. Beaten, bloody, and naked because of the gospel. So what do they do? Let's have more church. That's why we're in here. We can't go to church. We can't go to synagogue. So we're going to bring it in here. So they have a moment at the stroke of midnight in Acts chapter 16. Hallowed be thy name. And the kingdom comes to such a degree that it shakes the entire prison foundation. Their chains come off. Cells come open. The jailer's ready to kill himself, but he gives his life to Christ. Kneel in the other world more than you kneel in this one. You know, let's, let's binge on the presence of the Lord. Can we put it that way? You know, let's, I, I know you, I don't, I, I don't want to name different, whatever you're paying $19 a month to, to have the particular thing so you can get the series, the new, the new season comes out, and then for the next four days you watch it till your eyes are bleeding. How many people have, have ever done that before? Don't raise your hand. Ah, some honest Christians, all right. All right, you've done it too. It's important, amen? So we fight from a place of presence. Somebody say a place of presence. Are you guys okay? What time do we get done? Around 11, 11.30? We're going to bring in Chinese food? Okay, here we go. Number two, we fight... There's only three points. There's 20 sub-points, but we'll stay, we'll stay short. Fight from a place of position. Somebody say, a place of position. 
Number one, a position of sonship, which includes being a daughter of God as well. I think it's important for us to come to the understanding of what our true identity is. And our true identity is sons and daughters of the perfect heavenly father. You have a perfect heavenly father, which means you are perfectly loved. Amen? The term Christian in the New Testament is only in there three times. The term son and sons is in the New Testament 479 times. The term people of Israel, say people of Israel. The term people of Israel is in the Old Testament 10 times. The term children of Israel is in the Old Testament 621 times. Do you think God is trying to tell us something? When Jesus said pray, he didn't say pray our healer, our provider, our protector, our strong tower. While those include all of the things that he is, he said pray our father. Because he wants you and I to be reminded that the kingdom of God is first and foremost a family. And the head of that family first and foremost is a perfect, loving, good father. Can you give the good father a praise offering real quick before we move on? So 620 times children of Israel is in the Old Testament. The word children in the Hebrew actually is translated first and star. So if you're a child of God, you're first. In other words, there's no line to talk to the father. He's never going to tell you, I'm talking to your sister, you have to wait. I'm talking to your brother, you have to wait. Because you're always first and you're always his star. That's the literal translation of what that means. Amen? A couple of scriptures, John 1, 12. But those who embraced him, took hold of his name, were given authority to become the children of God. In that identity, you have authority. Romans 8, 21, also in the chaplain, uh, the passion, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and experience with us the wonderful freedom of coming to God's children. Amen? All right. When the devil challenged Jesus, what did he say? What was the question? If... You're the son. He didn't say if you're the savior, if you're the redeemer. He said if you're the son, do these things. Because he was wanting Jesus in the last temptation to turn and worship him as father. That's why he's known as the father of lies. Amen? So when you pray, Jesus said pray our father. I used to pray a lot like this, especially when I was a young preacher in the mid-80s. I was a youth pastor in the Church of God, and I would just, I would just help me be a better preacher, Lord. Make me a better preacher. Make me a better, then I got married, and make me a better husband. Then I, I had kids. Make me a better father. Then I was pulled out of ministry into the corporate world and was really successful and ran a large corporation for many years. Make me a better president, a better marketing director. The problem is I was making those things my identity when those are callings and functions. So I quit praying this year. I don't pray make me a better any of those. I say, Father, help me to be a better son. Because when I become a better son, I look more like the Father. That's why Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And when I'm a more like the son and I'm more like the Father, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better employer. I'm a better employee and so on. Amen? 
when my identity is in function and position, I operate under pressure. But when my identity is in being a son and a daughter, I operate in peace and pleasure. When you operate out of function and title and your job, you operate for perfection. When you operate as a son, you operate out of excellence. And there is no pressure in operating in excellence, but there is pressure in operating in perfection. Grab your ear and say, give me spirit ears to hear. Does that make sense? You become what you worship and you will influence others to be what you've become. So when you love Jesus the most, you'll be empowered to love others the best. So we fight, we race from a position of sonship, number one. Second is from a position of heaven to earth. I'm sure you've heard oodles of amazing messages from Pastor Brian and if you're gleaning from the other ministries over in Reading and those type of folks, I'm sure you've heard some of this, but this is so important for us that we have to realize that we fight from a position of heaven to earth. See, when the devil took Jesus up to the high mountain and shown him all the what? Kingdoms of this world. Bow down and worship me and I'll give you all of these. See, the devil can only take you so high. But when Jesus looked, he wasn't looking from that high peak mountain on earth. He was a little bit higher. Because he understood what it meant to be in heaven and earth. Read John chapter 3, verse 13. The Son of Man is in heaven and on the earth. So when the devil thought he was next to him, he was in the spirit looking from a much larger vantage point. And all that stuff looked really small. Amen? So our position as a son, and then our position, heaven to earth. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith and lay hold of eternal life. When do you think you get to lay hold of eternal life? Please, somebody yell out now. Amen. As children of God, we fight our battles by laying hold of eternal life now. See, we have to realize that we've already died and gone to heaven. Can I say that again to this side of the room? We have to come to the realization that we've already died and gone to heaven. I'm glad some of you aren't holding stones right now because I'm, I'm feeling it. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. If we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, somebody yell out, likewise. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive in Christ Jesus. For the sake of time, I'm going to skip a couple of verses here, but the Bible says in Ephesians that we're already seated in Christ in heavenly places. So we have to quit thinking, once I get to the other side, we are fighting from the other side. We're already on the other side. 
Do you know what you look like to demons? You look like what Jesus looked like on the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible says right now, somebody say right now. Right now you are seated in Christ in heavenly places. And John chapter 17, 22 says that the glory you've given me, Father, I have, past tense, I have given them. He has given you all the glory. I had a sermon back when I was a young preacher. We brought this guest speaker in, and he talked about the glory of the Lord, and you don't touch the glory. That I can still remember the title. You don't touch the glory. And he talked about Uzzah touching the Ark of the Covenant in the wrong way and dropping dead. And man, by the time he was done, I was so afraid of the glory. I was single. If I met a girl that was beautiful named Gloria, I was going to let her go. I was so afraid of the glory. That's Old Testament. Jesus fulfilled it. He said, the glory you've given me, what is the glory of the Lord? The glory of the Lord in the Greek means the kingly majesty of Jesus. That's what it means to go from glory to glory. To go from glory to glory is to be more like Jesus than you were before. Going from glory to glory is not about something. It's about becoming someone. It's all about someone. So when we go from glory to glory, we are now fighting from a position of sonship and daughtership. We're fighting from a position of where we're seated in him and him in us. So we don't cry to the mountain, please be moved. i got to move this mountain. We're in heavenly places, and we're speaking to the mountain from heavenly places, commanding it to go into the sea. That is the difference of fighting and running this race from a position of sonship and a position from heaven to earth. Somebody say amen. Paul. Let's go back to Paul. Let's bring up one more scripture here for this point. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 verse 4. I, I, I love this in the Passion. Someone I'm not acquainted with, by the way, he's talking about himself. Someone I'm acquainted with who is in union with Christ was swept away 14 years ago in an ecstatic experience. He was taken into heaven, into the third heaven. Everybody understands the third heaven is where the throne room is. But I'm not sure if he was in the body or out of his body. Only God knows. And I know that this man, again, I'm not sure if he was still in the body or taken out of the body, God knows, was caught up in an ecstatic experience and brought into paradise where he overheard many wondrous and expressible secrets that were so sacred that no mortal is permitted to repeat them. Heaven on earth, the first time you see on earth as it is in heaven in the Bible is in the book of Genesis. The word Eden is translated paradise, which is translated kingdom. So the world was in chaos and darkness. Why? God didn't create that, but the angels fell, and that was the result. They went from Lucifer being bearer of light. By the way, Lucifer, nobody names their kids Lucifer anymore or, or ever did, but the word Lucifer actually means bearer of light. When he was the worship leader in heaven, he was the bearer of light. Then he got cast down and then became the enemy of God. That's what Satan and the devil means. And the demons went from being, they went from, angels went from being angels to demons. Uh, let me just pause. I think this is an important point. And this will help somebody in, in a time of conflict in regards to, you know, why do people leave good ministries and what's wrong with folk. you got to understand 
These angels being led by worship from Lucifer were around the throne room and the crystal sea. The, the three seraphim, angels on fire, were still crying out, holy, holy, holy. And the sounds of many waters, thousands upon ten thousand. The scene that's even going on right now is beyond understanding. And the devil was able to look at 33% of the congregation and go, I'm going to be the new pastor. With God sitting right there on the throne. I heard Jack Hayford teach many years ago. He realized that anyone can have the pharisaical spirit come on them because it happened to him. That really helps me to stay aware, to keep on the armor of God. By the way, if you put on the armor of God, you're not supposed to take it off. In the New Testament, we're not supposed to have an armor bearer. Okay, now I'm going to make some people mad. If I need an armor bearer, it's because I'm not wearing my armor. It's permanent armor. It's clothed in Christ. Walking in the armor of God is walking clothed in Christ means you're walking like the Son of God, a position of sonship. Somebody say amen, even if you disagree me, I'll just feel better, all right? You good? Amen. So here Paul is taken up into this experience. See, that's why encounters are important. Encountering him, not something, but someone. Can you imagine what it was like for Paul to be all of a sudden taken up? He doesn't know if it was, it was so glorious. He doesn't even know if he was actually taken up by body or by spirit. But he saw paradise, heard things that he can't even repeat. I have to wonder, as he ran this race and fought the good fight and had the temptation to throw in the towel on the next time that whip hit him, maybe it was the fourth of the 39 beatings, if he didn't just go off and remember what it was like to be in paradise if he did not hold on to those anchors of encounter. I love corporate encounters. I love corporate faith. But we have to learn to walk in individual faith, individual encounters. Because those are anchors when we're taking the beating and the onslaught of the enemy, that we continue to remember those moments where we were taking up into something very, very powerful. Amen? I'm an encounter enthusiast. I'm addicted two encounters with God because there's no high like the most high. Amen? Someone needs to make a t-shirt out of that. All right, I've got another point for that point, but I'm not going to do that point so I can get to this point so we can point our way out of here. Amen? <laughs> lastly, somebody say lastly. Do you know what closing in the Greek means? Nothing at all. Fight from a position and a place of prophecy. Now, I know in a house like this and bringing in prophets, I know that you were supposed to have a, a, an authentic prophet to be here tonight, and he was injured, so remember him in your prayers. How many of you have had authentic, you know that you know that you know, that was a prophetic word spoken over my life and my situation? Raise your hand. Okay. Individually. There's also just the, the promises from the Bible for us. Let's kind of have a little bit of congregational church family participation. How many of you, when you received that word, the opposite started to happen? Okay. In my opinion, for me, that is telling me it was an authentic word. 
Because if you haven't run into the devil lately, you may be running the same way. <laughs> but when the kingdom comes, he wants to resist that. And there's going to be spiritual warfare. So I want to really emphasize tonight for you to fight, run this race, and finish your course from a place of presence, a place of position, and a place of prophecy. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. This charge I commit to you, son. I like that. What does he call Timothy? Not youth pastor, not children's pastor, not evangelist, not teacher. It's a son. Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So we're going to do a couple of things. Can you help me, Kelly, on playing something on the keyboard? Help me land the plane. Thank you. I'd like you to just stand for a moment. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.